Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 319. My name is Brando, and this is going to be a totally 80s episode. Yes, it's a GNR-flavored podcast, so we spent a lot of our time in the 80s, but as you know, with our six degrees of GNR bacon, we can go anywhere. But today, with our two guests, we're going to spend a lot of time in the 80s. Coming up later, these interviews kind of presented themselves to me, and as a fan, not just of Guns N' Roses, hey, I like Loverboy. Come on. Working for the weekend, turn me loose. That's in my my main playlist, right next to Shackler's Revenge and Paradise City. Always, I love. I mean, I really do. Eighties pop rock. I do. I mean, GNR, obviously my favorite band, hard rock band. I'm doing a podcast about them, but still, you know, a chance to talk to some other big bands from that era to see if there is a Guns N' Roses uh, connection. It's going to be fun. So later on in the show, lead singer of Loverboy, Mike Reno. Yes. So we're going to talk to him not just about, well, it's a big tour, which we're also uh, going to talk about. It's going to be Styx, Ario Speedwagon, and Loverboy all over the U.S. So that tour is um, going to be fun. In my neck of the woods, New York, they're coming to Jones Beach. So you can check um, either of those bands websites for all the dates in, in your neck of the woods and but not just with uh we're going to talk about the tour with mike reno we're going to talk about lover boy and things that i'm curious about i'm going to try to ask a unique question about how he feels about the chris farley the very famous chris farley sketch with patrick swayze of course working for the weekend i mean you know it it's like the it might be the most popular saturday night live sketch of all time so if you haven't seen it, just pause it and watch it and then uh, listen to the Mike Reno app, uh, interview. But first, I had an opportunity to interview J.Y., James Young, the guitarist of Styx. That is right. Not just interview him, kind of work with him. So part of it, if you've been a fan of this podcast, yes, I work for iHeartRadio and Premier Radio Network. So what I'm doing with J.Y. is taking him around the country via phone to promote this big tour. So I'm the, his tour producer. So we're going to all over the country, different states, passing, patching him into different radio stations, and I'm last on the list. So after he's uh, done maybe 10 or so interviews, I'm up next. So later on the podcast, Mike Reno of Loverboy, but first, JY of Sticks. All right, JY. Uh, so you have the, the list in front of you, the schedule in front of you, correct? Yeah, we got one more to go, right? Yeah, so... Um, you know my name? Do you see Brandon Weisler right there? That's me. Um, all right, hang on. Well, unfortunately, I've got I've got it on my computer, and and um, oh, that's okay. Well, and it keeps keeps failing on me here. Okay, well, that's I guess that's my job. So I'll, I'll you'll laugh at this at the end. So your next interview is with uh, the Appetite for Distortion podcast on iHeartRadio with me, 
Actually, I'm okay, your next. Yeah, I'm your next interview. Actually, my iPhone doesn't fade, so that's okay. I look at my iPhone. I see it here. Yeah, Appetite for Distortion Podcast, Brandon Weisler. That's me. That's me. So yeah. I'm your last interview. So I know you've been talking for an hour. I won't keep you too long. I guess I appreciate your time. You know. Um, oh, I can I can go on forever if you need me to. Well, thank you. I I do appreciate that. I guess that kind of goes to segues into the first question. After all these years, you've done thousands of interviews. Do you still like doing them? And be, you can be honest. You know, I think. Because I've been here from the beginning, I have a broader perspective on everything. I mean, Tommy's been around, you know, he came in pretty early on, and and he was, you know, he obviously helped actually lift us to the top level. John Sherlusky was a talented talented guy, and uh, he just had his differences with Dennis D. Young, and uh, he quit and then kind of wanted to come back, but Dennis wouldn't let him back, so... Uh, God bless that man. He he did some great stuff. Wrote some great stuff and uh, played the twelve string on Sweet Man of Blue, which I couldn't do. And uh, so he's uh, fond in my memories. But uh, you know, it's showbiz and things happen. Yes, they they, they do happen. Um, but it, it's interesting for me, who I've I've been here for an hour. We've been talking for an hour, connecting you to different stations all across the. United States, as of course we're promoting the the Sticks Ario Speedwagon uh, tour uh, with Loverboy, and I you may be surprised. I don't know how young I sound to you, but those are those bands. You have always been in my playlist since I've been able to you know buy CDs or download music. Uh, so when you go to shows, because you've mentioned the actually the last interview you did, you were kind of teasing about perhaps the age of your audience. Are you surprised? Because yeah. it's got to be all ages that go to these shows. Is it just, you know, the uh, the, the veteran stick fans, if I can call it that? Do you go and do, do they bring their kids? So what's the audience like when you go out to uh, a stick show now, from your perspective? Well, you know, I, you know, this is not like where the f f bomb is getting dropped every other sentence on from the stage, and then the bands we play with aren't, aren't doing that either. So there's there's not that you know the sense of trying to be more outrageous than the next guy. And that was that was part of the deal. <laughs> Thank you, Gene Simmons, um, going back. But uh, you know, now it's it's really about people want to come to music, hear the music, and um, some of us have children, some of us have grandchildren. You know, I, I think we've sort of mellowed, and you know, there's no reason to, people come come to hear the music performed as close to the, to the record as they can, but with a little live pizzazz to go and a light show to go with it. So it's really like a great evening out. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think we've become a better live act. The more you do it, the more little you find every night, there's just some little move. You've, you've sort of said, I'm going to try this tonight. And if it, if it works, uh, great. Then then it becomes part of the show. If it doesn't work, don't do that again. <laughs> but you do that, you know, that they're trial and error. Over over time, really helps fine tune and hone the show. To it's like, it's just we get out there and we know what we're doing. And a drummer like Todd Zuckerman, who is, who is, you know, in theory, uh, with these reader polls, he's 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 among the best drummers on the world, if not the best. And to have him there, doing what he does, and then Lawrence Gowan, who is, you know, obviously took the place of Dennis, uh, but Lawrence is. Just he's um, he's actually a more highly skilled keyboardist. Um, he didn't write the songs he sings here, but uh, 
because he'll sing Dennis' songs, but, but people, you know, he does a really good job of, of singing them. He's got a great voice, a great high voice, so he's part of, part of the six harmonies that, uh, you know, that's the big guitar, keyboard, drum sound, along with the big vocal sound, and that, that's, that's who we are, that's what we do. And uh, the replacement parts have just kind of all added to that. I mean, yeah, you can, it's, it's great being in a family-friendly, there's nothing wrong with being family-friendly, audience and i guess i have to ask about what the reason why i kind of asked about a potential younger audience because i grew up you know listening to classic rock being on classic rock radio i you know i remember there was an entire weekend dedicated to the sticks where we played the grand illusion you know in its entirety on wpdh in poughkeepsie when i was there but i also grew up with a lot of references in tv shows and movies so i'm just curious if i can run a couple past you and, and just your opinion on them and, and is wondering sure. maybe where you were. Like, <laughs> I was young when South Park was new. And Cartman, at, at the early episodes, it might have been the first season, when he, would, he couldn't hear uh, Come Sail Away without finishing it. Like, if somebody sang the, <laughs> right, right. the first few bars, he would have to finish it. You have to go all the way through. It's like when you hear the first part of that song, Come Sail Away by Sticks. If I hear the first part of that song, I have to finish it. So... I'm curious, um, where were you, I guess, when you first watched it? Because it was, South Park now is a legendary show, but at the time it was new, it was crude. Um, anything you can tell us about South Park and Cartman? Well, it wasn't, that? South Park wasn't a big hit in our house so much. I mean, it was, it was, it was out, outrageous in, in the ways you mentioned, and it was cutting edge in that regard. We're on cable now, we can, we can show naked bodies, we can do this, we can do that. Uh, and then, but, but took it in a different, you know, an animated direction was kind of, uh, and, you know, some people truly appreciated it. A lot of people truly appreciated it. And, and, and that, that kind of became a thing that come sail away <laughs> to Cartman. Uh, we should thank whoever came up with that notion because uh, that obviously helped promote that song and promote this band. It did. And it just made me now. Yes, I can, I can listen to it separately. I guess it depends on the kind of mood. You know, if I'm in, I'm in the car, a long ride, yeah, I can rock out to, of course, sticks. But sometimes it just reminds me of, yeah, it reminds me of South Park, and I just get a chuckle in my in my head. And, and and same thing with, have you ever spoken with Adam Sandler and his? Well, I don't know if it's an obsession with sticks, but Renegade was used in Billy Madison. There was references in in Big Daddy. Uh, just curious if you've. I got to imagine he really is a sticks fan. I finally met Adam. I can't remember exactly how it came about. I think we, we invited him. It was a year we were actually opening for Boston. Uh, they, you know, Tom Schultz didn't want to go out, but we thought a manager. I didn't mind opening for Boston because I, I knew that they're, they're not, they don't have a Tommy Shaw in that band. It's, it's Tom Scholes playing and then Brad Delp singing. And I mean, the rest of the band is re all really good players. And so it was a, it was, Played uh, somewhere in Los Angeles, and uh, and Adam Adam brought his wife out, and he brought uh, one of his comedian buddies. Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. Kevin. Kevin Nealon. Kevin. Kevin Nealon. No, you, no, not Kevin Nealon. Oh, Kevin. Uh, oh my God, the guy from King of Queens. Why is that not coming? Yeah, yeah, I think that's him. Kevin James. There you go. Kevin James. Yeah, and so he, those two guys were there with their wives and. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really, he came backstage, but just briefly. But it was, you know, very friendly. And, he, you know, he says, you guys make great music. Fantastic, you know. 
Love it. He was very friendly and very, you know, very like a regular guy that's just got got a lot of talent, but he's not going to lord it over you. He's uh, and he's not, you know, weird weird enough so he doesn't know how to deal with social situations. He just seemed like uh, he's a regular guy that that you know was in the right place at the right time with the right stuff, which is how I, how I kind of view <clears throat> my talent, you know. Yeah. yeah, I have a certain amount of talents, but without being in the right place at the right time with the right stuff, you'll go unrecognized for the rest of your life. So yeah, it's crazy how that that works out. Absolutely, the, the blue collared man, you know. But you're there's a lot of them, but not everybody gets yeah. to record a song about it and, and do that. And I love when uh, you see Adam Sandler out; he's always just in like sweatpants and a t-shirt. Like he just doesn't. He just dresses like the everyman. Uh, he, he's yeah, he's. He seemed like a really nice guy. Have you ever gotten a an offer to um, for? Because obviously, sticks music is used for not just for movies, but for commercials. But was there ever an offer like, you know what? No, I I don't want sticks music to be associated with this project. Has that happened? I think there was there was a couple of sort of real <clears throat> edgy um, things that might have had a lot of uh, I don't know, sort of you know, soft porn, maybe even. <laughs> And uh, they wanted to use some of Dennis's songs, and he, he said absolutely not. So, but beyond that, I think anybody that you know that's going to have anything that's in the, something that's not because we are a mainstream band as a collective. So I, I think that and a lot of times others. I mean, Tommy, they wouldn't call me, you know, because Tommy's a writer on, on so many of the things, and I don't write that many popular songs. So Tommy probably gets a lot more calls, and Dennis obviously has got a lot more calls. Um, about using using certain things, but uh, it's it's all been good. Well, I'm glad we never got Mr. Roboto the adult film that might have ru- <laughs> that might have ruined the band for me or too much time on uh, on our hands and <laughs> instead. Uh, let me ask. So, as I alluded to, you know, yes, I I work for iHeartRadio and Premier Radio Networks. That's what I'm, I've done this tour with you this morning as we're promoting this really fun uh, tour, and I'm excited to see you, the three bands go out together because. I love the 80s, as a, a cliche as that sounds. Um, but if you notice, the title of the podcast is Appetite for Distortion. So that's, right. we use a Guns N' Roses theme. I mean, everybody and their mother has a podcast, but I try to make mine a little different. Uh, so I try to find the six degrees of G&R Bacon instead of Kevin Bacon. Is that, That's what I call it. So what's the six degrees of between sticks and Guns N' Roses? And maybe you can help me out, and perhaps you have your own stories. But the only one I can really find was... Tommy Shaw and, and, and Slash have recorded together. Um, do, have you ever met any of the Guns N' Roses guys? Uh, I guess um, any con- any connections I that I wouldn't know think about? so. Okay. Then let me ask this. Then. You know, I, I okay. really was, um, it took me a little while to get, because the grunge kind of, the 90s came along and kind of replaced <laughs> the big classic rock bands like ourselves. And then all of a sudden we couldn't get arrested at radio. <laughs> Uh, with our 91 release, Edge of the Century, which Tommy was not on. Tommy was off with Damn Yankees and Nugent at that point in time. But, um, you know, but then the the Seattle sound, um, No Excuses. Who is that? Uh, no Excuses. Alice in Chains? That's Alice in Chains, No Excuses. Yeah, Alice in Chains was a band that I sort of got into. And uh, Nirvana was, I was less of a Nirvana guy, uh, but Soundgarden. Okay. Spoon Man. Nice. And that caught my ear in a big way. And uh, <laughs> and 
and Dave Grohl obviously has gone on to do great, many great things in, in many good ways. So, I mean, that man has, you have to appreciate everything he's done. As, as and a, a talented guy. As a Jewish Who person. Who plays drums and guitars. Da, 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 da. I know. And as a Jewish person, I love that he did, does the, the Eight Nights of Hanukkah, where he just covers great Jewish uh, rock artists like Kiss or David Lee Roth yeah. and the Ramones. Um, so, yeah, you kind of answered that a little bit, because I want to ask, as you know, you with these big hits that you have and obviously still with these beloved songs like, you know, Come Sail Away or Renegade, Mr. Roboto, but then in comes, yeah, you have the hair metal, but what about Guns N' Roses? Do you remember before grunge came in? Because that was kind of the segue, a lot of people say, between, you know, the Poisons and then Nirvana because it was harder. Do you remember hearing Appetite for Destruction the first time or Welcome to the Jungle on the radio? Um, Like, where were you, I guess, in 1987 when that came out? Well, I was probably driving in my car listening to rock radio, and uh, what was Sticks? I think that was kind of the solo album era. Um, 81 was Paradise Theater. The next album after that was... I could bring up your discography Crystal Ball, if you want. That was, Crystal Ball was 75, so uh, no, the Paradise Theater was 81. So I, I think that was kind of a breakup era, and that's where I put a solo band together. And we all kind of put solo bands together, and um, and then I think we did a '96 tour without. Uh, 80, I think that was a, that was kind of a reunion tour in '96. Yeah, because I'm just looking. The at... Late '80s, early '90s are a blur. Because <laughs> I'm looking at yeah the the ever trusted Wikipedia, and between 1983. Uh, sorry to say that was the year I was born. Uh, Kilroy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, 1990 was the edge of the century. So, yeah, there was a, a down period. So yeah. I, I guess you don't – nothing sticks out, or perhaps as a guitar player, when you first uh, heard Slash, do you have an opinion of, of his guitar style and, and playing as um, – Well, you know, um, for me, who saw Hendrix live five times. Mm. Wow. And saw Clapton with Cream live. Um, saw Jethro Tull live. Saw the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Once I saw the Mahavishnu Orchestra, mm. you know, with Jan Hammer on the keyboards and, and John McLaughlin on guitar, Jerry Goodman on violin, that was Billy Cobham on drums and Rick Gretsch who was, was there. And uh, but that 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 you know, I just said this is really you know, I, I tried tried to you know move my skills along and figure out how those guys, wow, how does he play that? Now, that was kind of a, was a lesson for me, actually, and that's why I did a solo record with Jan Hammer, but he had just done one with Neil Schoen before that. So I was the next next victim with Jan, and uh, that album was called City Slicker. And we used, we used some automated drums on there, which is what he used on the Miami Vice theme. But yeah, I mean, so, so when all those guitar players came along in the, in the grunge era, to me, nobody could outdo the Mahavishnu Orchestra musically. Okay. Uh, and so, but none of, you know, I, I think most of the guitar playing that I heard in the grunge era was all, you know, it, you're just putting notes together and who can play faster doesn't matter as much anymore. And ultimately, um, I guess that's, maybe I stopped worrying about, you know, uh, I mean, the craziest thing is Jerry Goodman can actually play, play circles around me playing real fast on the guitar and then he was at one show we did, 2007, out in L.A. And he he just, uh, Jerry's kind of a tortured soul, 
uh, his mother's second chair of violin in the Chicago Symphony. And I think Jerry just is, he, uh, he had some drug issues. Uh, I love that guy, uh, and I wish him, really wish him well, and I hope he's found, found some peace. But my God, what a, great, what a gifted man. So I stopped, you know, lead guitar players after that really, uh, I mean, Eddie Van Halen clearly was, and I've sat with Eddie. Uh, a couple times. Do you even, and, uh, then, with that then, because uh, it, it is interesting, your perspective, and you kind of you gave me a unique answer, which I appreciate how you, you group in. And yeah, grunge era. I mean, maybe Guns N' Roses isn't, yeah, some people might, my age or younger might view it as a 80s hair metal even, or, or maybe like your perspective, again, who's somebody who saw Jimi Hendrix live and you see it as a grunge. They're part of that movement. So it is very fascinating. But then let me ask, before I get you out of here, uh, about Eddie Van Halen. Uh, can you talk, do you have a story about him, sitting down with him, anything you can you could share? Well, you know, I'm, it's Ricky Phillips in our band is a guy you should interview at some point in time. Nobody was really chasing him for interviews, but he was at the center of so many phenomenal things. You know, even though he was a sideman, basically, he's a, he's a great bass player and a competent background singer. Ricky's stepsister, I mean, step... Sister, you know, sorry, Ricky's stepsister is Kathleen Kennedy, who's Spielberg's main producer throughout his whole career. So Ricky's been sort of, he's got one ear, you know, in, in the film business at the top level and was invited to do music for films and this and that and the other thing. But um, he just said Eddie was kind of a, Eddie's kind of a sh- shy guy. And uh, when I finally realized that, you know, he's, the Van Halen brothers were dark complected because their mother is from some place called South Molucca. Their dad is Dutch. So they were very dark complected when they were younger, and I think they got treated like like they were less than white hmm. in white circles as as young people. So I think there was sort of that sort of drove Eddie, I'm sure, home to play his guitar all day long. That's how he became so great. But that's something I never even heard because Eddie, to me, to, to be with him, the last time I sat down with him, it was it was um, he treated me like an old friend, and uh, I was I was sort of just charmed, and uh, you know he's a shy guy. I'm not I'm not shy, <laughs> <laughs> but he's kind of an introvert, and then he, he pours all that energy into the guitar. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, but those Van Halen records, I, I, as rock records, they just run run with the devil, you know. So, so many, so many strong ones that they had for me. And uh, is there a, an Eddie Van Halen riff you wish you thought of? I mean, there could be a lot, but is there one that stands out? Like, oh man, um, I can't off top of hand. I can't really think about that. Um, okay, I don't want to pressure you. Van Halen in a while, but um, nothing comes to mind right away. Okay, all I know is he could play. As fast as the guy in, in you know John McLaughlin and Mahavishnu, and then ultimately I can play that fast. <laughs> but it's still all about you know what context are you playing in, and, and what what do you, what message you're trying to convey, and and once your s- skill level gets to a certain point, it's it's uh, you have to still have some, have some musical context to use it in, and use it use it judiciously in. To, I'm glad that you're sh- you're still putting your your talents on display. You should interview Ricky Phillips. I I'm I'm writing that down. I think that's a great idea. You know, to get the more. Age. He's seen everything, everywhere, and he worked. Ricky worked. He was in bands. He was in the Babies. He was in Bad English. 
Uh, he was in Coverdale Page, so he worked with Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Okay. David Coverdale, obviously, sure. who was part of... Uh, Whitesnake, he's been on the show a couple times. Yeah. And Black, Richard Blackmore's, you know, he was in Richie Blackmore's band. Uh, and I love Rick, Richie Blackmore as a guitarist, too, but... Uh, but R- Ricky worked, worked, and worked and lived on the Sunset Strip for like a number of years, right at the heyday of the Sunset Strip. Okay, all right. So he could—he's nice. the one that should write the book. Mm. And yeah, Sunset but Strip. He probably he, won't. And he might have a six degree, a more, uh, a tighter six degrees of uh, GNR Bacon if he was uh, on the Sunset Strip. So, all right, I'll, if I get him, I'll credit you uh, as being producer for that that tour for that interview. Well. <laughs> uh, so thanks. I'm glad you're you know you're you're hitting the road. Uh, Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, Lover Boy. I mean, it's just a great time. Uh, I know you're all over United, the United States, uh, but for me specifically, the closest is Jones Beach, uh, out on Long Island, which is a really great venue. I've grown up seeing uh, many a classic show there. Uh, thanks for your time, and just thanks for being a, a great, uh, uh, I guess, coworker today. As we we did this radio well, tour together. Well, you know, I've, I've, I feel like I'm. I'm more able to articulate things than, than my bandmates in many ways. Um, although Tommy, Tommy will come up with some stuff that surprises me. And but I was, you know, I sat in the studio. Um, I had my own studio, I, so I learned all the technology, how to record. Um, but I also was trained, trained, started piano. Everyone in my family trained in piano at age five. Played clarinet in the high school band and inherited from my older sister from eighth grade through high school, and then. Uh, I love Jimmy Smith and Brother Jack McDuff on Hammond Organ. I have a bunch of those records. And, of course, Deep Purple, John Lord, you know, that solo he plays on Hush. You know, I love Deep Purple's version of Hush much better than Billy Joe Royals. Basically, this is that organ solo. So, mm. um, Great song. So I could talk forever. We can talk again if you want sometime. I, well, I appreciate that, JY. I'll let you go. Rest those pipes. And I'll see you next time. Sounds good. Yeah, he could have kept going. I mean, thankfully, I mean, I, I feel guilty. I gave myself, I think, because I was the last slot more time than the other. Other radio stations had 10 minutes. I told him 10 minutes, but he kept going. And it's my job when it's another radio station on, and if they're going over the 10 minutes, I got to cut him off. So I can't cut myself off. <laughs> uh, but this one, I could get cut off, so I'm not going to go too long with it. Mike Arino of Loverboy. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> I mean, maybe get a guy from Sticks on a GNR themed podcast, but Loverboy? Let's find out. So, whereas I was running JY's radio tour, patching into different radio stations, calling them up, my coworker Mike has to call me with Mike Reno on Loverboy. Hey, Mike? All right, you there? I am. Let me hear you. Cool. You're kind of low. I am low. How about now? Better. Yeah, you're good. Ooh, All right. and now, now he's high. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you'll have till top of the hour. Go ahead. What an appropriate... If you only knew me, Mike, but uh, no comment. Yeah, right. No. Hey, listen, I know about high. Uh, I'm in a rock band. <laughs> Forget about it. It's going to be fun. Oh, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your, your time uh, today. And I got to ask, because I was speaking earlier with JY of Sticks. Not only did I interview him, I was running his radio tour. You've done thousands right. of interviews over the years. Do you get tired of it? Um, how do you look at interviews all these years later and perhaps the same questions? Do you enjoy them? You know what it is for me is uh, I have a lot of great memories. I mean, I feel honored and it's a privilege really to be in a rock band uh, at my age and just 
really enjoying what we do. I, I'll never look that in the face of, uh, you know, I'll never say this is a, a negative thing at all. And, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't want to talk about yourself, but there's a lot of cool stories and there's a lot of cool things that have happened to us and we've met a lot of cool people along the way. So I don't mind talking about it. I really don't. Very cool. Well, that makes my job easier, of course. Uh, you know, it's interesting I, I don't know if I sound young, perhaps, because I know this is what I was talking to JY about. Because um, I'm 38, and I know a lot of, you know, the, the 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 stations you're talking to might be of the upper demographic. But I've worked in classic rock radio my entire life, so it was never an issue. Like Loverboy was always on my playlist with anything that I grew up with, even though it was I was born in '83. I'm sorry, I don't know if that that dates me a little bit. But in addition to just growing up, she was older. Brenda. <laughs> I, I know I was afraid to say it but the reason is because not only yeah I grew up on your music through radio but also through cultural references so I, I'm sure you get all the time asked about Chris Farley and SNL but I guess I gotta ask oh yeah do you remember where you were when you first watched the, that skit and what th- went through your mind oh god that is a fabulous question and you know what as soon as you said it it came to me immediately. I was, I don't remember the city. I honestly don't, but I do remember, uh, it was after the show, you know, we were home uh, in the hotel room. And what I like to do is pack the night before because I, I, I can't sleep very well if I got to pack in the morning. I just, I'm not a morning person. So what I do is I put the suitcase out, I start folding my stuff. Of course, the stuff I wore to the gig, I'm hanging to dry because it's soaking wet. So I'm gonna pack that very last first thing in the morning, but the majority of stuff gets packed that night. And I got Saturday Night Live on, and I didn't even know this was gonna happen. Mm. So this is a good question. So I'm, I'm sitting there, standing there, folding clothes, uh, probably sucking back a cold one, <laughs> you know, after show stuff, and boom, the skit comes on, and they start doing this thing, and it's this big guy dancing, and he's dancing better than the dancer. And I'm going, this is insane. And then all of a sudden they have this dance off, and they're using my song. I, I just almost, I almost peed my pants. I just was laughing so hard. I thought, what a, fa-. and it's a classic piece. I mean, they're still playing it. <clears throat> I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, I got to pinch myself. And I felt like really honored and all those things, but, uh, it was just fun, you know, just fun. It's arguably the, the greatest sketch in Saturday Night Live history. And yeah, Chris Farley, Patrick Swayze, they made it great. But your song, that's perfect song. Do you remember when you first down and, and uh, when first penned, rather, uh, working for the weekend? Yeah, of course you wouldn't envision this. But what did you have in mind when you first penned that song? Well, the song was written about people getting ready to party and celebrate the weekend that sure. and uh, Paul and I were, were working in his apartment in Kitsilano it's a beach community in Vancouver and people are kind of coming home with in one hand a box of beer in the other hand some uh, their clothes were coming from the dry cleaner you know their favorite shirts and stuff and they were going to go home after work have a few beer put on their clothes and they were going out for the weekend that's the that was the essence of the song and the reason we wrote it was because we were on the balcony watching these people walk by one after the other and they were just getting ready for the weekend and as it turned out um, I 
think the the initial song was was uh, was called "Waiting for the Weekend." And when I was in the studio, I just started singing "Everybody's Working for the Weekend," and the people stopped and went, "Oh my God, that's so much better!" <laughs> Oh, wow. So I remember that. You know, I totally remember that. I remember both those things we just talked about. Very cool. Um, so I got to ask, because, yeah, working for the weekend has been in my playlist since I've been able to listen to music. But if you, I don't know if you have a schedule in front of you. Uh, this is, we're on iHeartRadio, on Q1043.com, but it's an appetite for distortion. That's what we're called, appetite for distortion. Yeah, you've been talking to Perfect. rock radio all morning, but I like to be a little different. So there's a Guns N' Roses theme. So I'm just curious from your perspective, who is writing, you know, hits and more of the lighter side of the 80s, which, again, I'm a fan of. What did you think of when Guns N' Roses came out? And do you remember where you were when you heard Appetite for Destruction for the first time? Do you know what? When I heard uh, when I heard Guns N' Roses for the first time and this is kind of an interesting story because people may start may, may look this up. I thought it was a band from Vancouver called Prism because mm. the singers sing the same, really high, clean, you know. Uh, and I thought, this is a great song by Prism. And then all of a sudden it said it was Guns N' Roses. And I went, what? Guns N' Roses? Who the hell are they? This is, you know, right at the beginning. <laughs> and of course, I, I later realized that, you know, I was wrong. And I think I even lost $100 on that bet. <laughs> but uh, if, if some of your listeners want to have a little fun, go listen to the early Prism album. Um, they could probably find it online, I'm sure. And it'll be, I, and, and I would be, I'd like to hear if any of your fans and listeners um, can see the difference or, you know, can see the similarities rather, not the difference. So that's awesome. I, I've never heard that before. So I'm, I'm going to do that if uh, my listeners don't. I don't know why they, they wouldn't because that's, that's really intriguing, especially since you bet $100. You know, it's a lot of toonies that you got. Yeah, I lost $100. <laughs> uh, um, I, do you have any, what I, I, I use, uh, what I call six degrees of GNR Bacon instead of Kevin Bacon? I know you're fo- footloose and everything, but uh, I guess that's, maybe that's the six degrees. Is there, do you have any connections with Guns N' Roses? Have you, have you ever met any of the guys, come across Slash or Duff? Any, any other stories we might uncover from you? Well, I kind of we're going to come up a little short on the Guns N' Roses story personally. Okay. Um, I haven't had a chance to meet the guys. I'm, I would love to. Fantastic group, great group live. They make great records. Uh, but I personally haven't haven't uh, had a chance to meet meet the guys. But I'm looking forward to it. You say I still got something to look forward to. Okay. All right. See, I'll take it. But I actually I like your the the, the first six degrees you gave me about the the band that you really thought was Guns N' Roses from Canada. I mean, that's something I would never have yeah, yeah. discovered. So that's why I ask these questions. I want to know things that uh, we may not know. Sure. Uh, before we get out of here, just because I'm um, a, a huge fan of uh, not just the song, but uh, the movie, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, and you guys um, were in that with uh, Turn Me Loose. It was just used pr- prominently throughout the film. Um do you remember anything about that? You know, was it just a simple permission of using that song? Or was that also one day you're watching a movie and it comes on and you didn't know that you were gonna, you know, your song was featured in it? Actually, Brando, I'm calling my lawyer right now. These people got to stop this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, listen, when anybody wants to use, and it's happened a lot in this year. As a matter of fact, uh, my agent called me from Los Angeles and said, what is this, Loverboy Day? He just had two requests for Loverboy songs, two different songs for different things, a sitcom that's coming out with one of the guys from Saturday Night Live. And... Uh, and then in a movie, which was being with Woody Harrelson in it. And I thought, isn't that great? This is before I had my first cup of coffee. I got two songs being put in movies and sitcoms. And, you know, it's always an honor. And I treat it with respect. And I, I thank my lucky stars that I'm... Uh, you know, that this is happening to us. It's a nice thing. It keeps the songs going. It, it, everybody remembers this stuff. So it, it's perfect for movies. I, I'm, I'm just glad it happens. Believe me. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you, and I'm glad not just we can hear your, your songs everywhere, but you're going to be playing it live all over the United States with Sticks and uh, Ario Speedwagon, My Neck of the Woods, New York, uh, Jones Beach, which is a great venue. So um, thank you, Mike, for your time, and, and looking forward to seeing you out on the road. Hey, Brando, I'll see you out there. You got it. Thank you so much, Mike and Mike. Thanks, Brandon. See ya. So not really a connection, but a Six Degrees of GNR Bacon thought. Like, I've never heard that before, that they sound like this Canadian band. The Guns N' Roses sounds like this Canadian band. Uh, I mean, for me, I had never heard of before. I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners, so I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Do you agree with Mike? So we uncovered a question that we never would have uncovered before if we didn't have Mike Reno of Loverboy on Appetite for Distortion. Absolutely amazing. And I appreciate those of you, yes, on this GNR-themed, GNR-flavored podcast Yes, there are certain guests that talk a lot more Guns N' Roses than others, but, you know, how are we going to get to 319, then at 320, and keep going episodes? You know, we got to get creative. And so I appreciate all of you coming along on this podcast, Night Train Ride With Me. Uh, What is to come as we wrap up this podcast? Well, Lit, the band Lit, is coming, and um, it should be 100% confirmed so uh, soon. So watch out on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or at the AFD podcast. And hopefully, and this will be the way if you want to send in questions that I'll take it for Dave Navarro and Billy Morrison. So that also should be coming up as well. Uh, I will say, because I'm, you know, I've talked about guests that have been hard to get and I've just never been like, okay, a guest says, no, it doesn't happen. I don't just start blasting them. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, above being rejected <laughs> at this stage in my life. But sometimes it gets frustrating and a little, um, I don't know, annoying. But since I still get questions about why don't you have Tracy Guns on the show, he again said no. I really, really thought I had an opportunity recently after my successful interview, I thought, with Phil Lewis. There was no Guns N' Roses talk. <laughs> I ran out of time with uh, Phil Lewis. I got so distracted because he was so great. You know, talking so much L.A. Guns, and I've had a couple conversations with the L.A. Guns manager who seemed to like me, and it just seemed like it was going to happen, and he's like, it's just not going to happen. I, I don't know if that's directly coming from him or Tracy. It sounded like from Tracy because the way it made it, he made me feel like there was hope. So I don't know why he would give me hope and then shut it down. So I don't know if Tracy just said no again. I offered, which is weird because he's, you know, recently again, uh, quoted as talking about Guns N' Roses in a Ultimate Guitar um, ultimate, uh, yeah, guitar interview. So it's like, I think about, okay, he doesn't want to talk about Guns N' Roses anymore. He's L.A. Guns. He was in Guns N' Roses for like 
Um, not very long. I mean, long enough to help name the band. And so I was like, I'll just talk L.A. Guns. I'll just talk about how you spent your Hanukkah. Nothing. So whatever. I'm, 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 that's I'm a little annoyed with because he, is an, he seems to have a really fun personality on Twitter and he's been responsive on Twitter. So it's just, why? Why? So that's why I appreciate people like JY and Mike Reno. You know, they're not above any interview. They're not. They're still successful. They're touring. You know, I understand they're 80s acts, but they are still successful. And they'll talk to anybody for long. So, I don't know. It's I'm just maybe venting a little bit, uh, you think. But I want to let you know. So, I, I don't know if Tracy Guns will ever be on the show. Hopefully. And he's not even a Guns N' Roses uh, member. And that's that's usually what the, the crux of the issue is when it's a, a Guns N' Roses member that I'm, I'm trying to get back on because of uh, perhaps some miscommunication between uh, me and Guns N' Roses management. And I will say, if you want to hear for yourself, you know, in context, some of the uh, maybe controversial interviews that I've done, I've been still updating my YouTube channel daily, uh, not just when I have new episodes like this one, so perhaps you're, you're listening to this on YouTube, but with highlights of all of our interviews. So... Yeah, we, you can go back and listen to an episode that's an hour, but how about a nice little bite-sized two-minute clip of Dr. Stephen Thaxton, the Use Your Illusion chiropractor, talking about Amy Bailey, Axel's sister, coming to the rescue or trying to come to the rescue medically with cocaine. They didn't have any you know, numbing agents. It's, it's, a, it's a great story. So uh, it's on YouTube. You can listen to it in full context, and that is the... That specifically, it was told to me by a mutual friend that after that was that came out, and I guess there was clickbait with it, which is no fault of mine. You all know that. Because even when I posted the uh, this story about Axel's sister, and I even put in parentheses, not what you think, trying to make it sound like Axel's sister's doing drugs. So like, I'm, I'm personally not a clickbait person. That's just not my style. I was told Beta LaBase complained about me for 20 minutes to a mutual friend uh, on the phone. I mean, is he making that up? Is, am I making that up? You know, is it hyperbole? I mean, that's kind of, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but Beta called him angrily about me talking about, or uh, a guest talking about Axel's sister. And a great story. Nothing is controversial. It's just a funny story. So if you want to hear it, if you haven't heard that story, when you hear it in context and with no clickbait, go to our YouTube channel. Same thing with Susan Holmes McKagan when she announced that this was before Absurd and Hard School came out, that she heard new Guns N' Roses music. And you can hear it in context where I didn't even ask her about it. I'm asking her about how fans could follow her on social media. And then she just says like, oh, well, I've heard, uh, you know, I want to share this bit of news. I've heard some new GNR. It's pretty epic. And I didn't even really press her on it. You know, what did you hear? So it's all in context. So there really is kind of almost no excuse. You know, if, if people don't have to do interviews, no one has to do interviews. But when they're, I see them doing it in other places, like, again, Tracy Guns. It's like when I get a no and then he does an interview talking about Guns N' Roses. It's like, really, bro? Come on. You know I would be. We, we would have such a fun interview. So that I don't get. So it's just, I don't know. If you come across him, just say, try to convince him. Tweet them, hey, you would be really great on the AFD podcast. And that's a normal thing for people to do when they, you know, you have a, 
your favorite band. You want your radio station to play your favorite band. You tweet at the radio station. Hey, please play this band. You do the same thing with guests. Hey, come on the AFD podcast. And that works. That does work a lot of times. Most re- recently, I think, with, uh, with Rick, Rick Richards. And it was a listener who reached out on my behalf. Is he in Argentina? So these things happen. Absolutely. So that's why this podcast, it's not just my, my podcast. It's our podcast. You help me uh, continue it. Absolutely. So remember, the conversations continue between the broadcasts. That's how you can get questions in. Oh, and I appreciate those who have, uh, those of you who gave me the six degrees of uh, of lover boy bacon and six uh, sticks bacon. They try to make this uh, kind of work. So, uh, so thanks. So anyone else, you can think of whether, whether it's a tight connection to GNR or we got to go lover boy style. Let me know. This is a, a fun podcast. And again, I appreciate every single one of you helping me continue and, and giving me a fun thing to do. Talk about my favorite band and, and talking to rock stars that you and I love. So until next time, when are you going to hear the podcast? The next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.